0: Good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Ah, there it is. It is nice to see all of you. I first want to say thank you. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity to publicly say thank you. Thank you for the Christmas cards. Thank you for the Christmas gifts. Um, Definitely highly appreciated. Uh, Y'all are so generous. Um, And it it meant a lot, Uh, it touched our hearts. I remember. Just talking to Jessica and sharing with her uh, just how awesome it is to serve this church. Uh, you guys are um, definitely a great group of people. Uh, we've told this to the elders, um, and, I, and I think I speak for Jeff on this one. Uh, you make our jobs much easier because it's so amazing to work for you and, and with you. Uh, so we want to thank you so much for that. Um, <clears throat> we're in the middle of a, a series. Revival. Who here wants to have a revived church? Is that your goal? Is that your desire? Do you want to be revived? Well, in order to re, uh, something I want to tell you right now is that in order to receive the revival from God, we need to understand the cost of revival. Revival is the biggest threat that Satan's kingdom faces. A revived church, a revived church can thwart and kill the progress of the enemy. Every single revival will always lead to reformation. Revival always leads to reformation. Or said a better way a revitalized life with Jesus will always lead to right living. The only way that the devil can stop right living from taking place in the church is to kill off any trace of revival. It's the only way that the devil has any chance against the reformation of God's church. He needs to attack the very source of the change. So let's go to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter, chapter six. six, verse ten. ten. And Paul Paul says says to his young church church in in Ephesus, striving for revival revival of their own, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God, God, that 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 you may may be able to stand against against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against against the the rulers, against the authorities, authorities, against against the the cosmic powers over this present darkness. darkness. against against the spiritual forces forces of evil in the heavenly places. Sermon title for today is Dress Up
1: to Stand Up. up. Dress
0: Up to Stand up. Up. Let's pray.
1: Our gracious Father, we thank you.
0: We thank you for your grace and we thank you for your love. But most of all at this very moment we thank you for your concern for our safety, Father. You have given insight to to Paul Paul to warn us us how we can stand against the enemy in the middle of of our revival.
1: So, Father, I pray
0: that you will anoint our hearts and our minds, that you will anoint my lips. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Growing up, my favorite cartoon was the Looney Tunes. Any Looney Tunes fans here? Yeah? yeah. Don't, be, don't, be, don't be ashamed. It's, it's okay. okay. I love the Looney Tunes. And even to this day, if I get a chance to sit down and watch the Looney Tunes, I will watch the Looney Tunes. There is something about Bugs Bunny. There's something about Daffy Duck. And by the way, let me tell you, uh, I love Bugs Bunny. But there is something about Daffy Duck and uh, Porky Pig, in, in particular, the episode of Duck Rogers in the 24th and a half century episodes that I really love. Okay, so I'm, I'm showing and I'm sharing and confessing my love for Looney Tunes. Maybe my reason for loving it is because of memories that have formed. I used to watch Looney Tunes while laying down with my grandfather in the sofa. And we would be drinking papaya smoothies or soursop smoothies or, uh, or, or, or some other fruit smoothie in the cool of the afternoon. And we would watch these cartoons after a long day of work. It could also be those Sunday morning uh, memories, waking up and having my mom make me an egg and cheese sandwich on a really soft, uh, 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 sort of Hawaiian roll type of bread in Puerto Rico. Sit down on the sofa and we, I can watch the Looney Tunes. But something that I've always noticed about, about Looney Tunes, that maybe you have as well, is the way they portray the devil. The devil in the Looney Tunes is just this little fat blob of red with horns and a pitchfork. The devil in the Looney Tunes is more like a gatekeeper than an actual threat to your life. Looney Tunes portrays the devil as someone who simply just stands behind a desk and stamps your arrival and closes the door behind you and poses no threat at all to your life. But Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, in his letter to this young church looking for revival, he says, look, you are facing against a power so conniving, so evil, and so sinister that he will bring about your destruction. He says that we, that we are at war. We're in a battle, not with flesh and bloods, but with rulers and authorities against cosmic powers that are well beyond our comprehension and power. He says, put on the whole armor of God. Dress up in the armor of God, because with it you can stand against the schemes or more literally the methods of this sinister enemy of ours. I want to give you three examples of schemes that we will face as a church seeking revival. The first scheme that the devil will launch at us is the scheme of division. Are we living in a highly divided world? One form of division is politics. You can... Understand the power of this scheme when I say Trump or Biden, and all of a sudden in the back of your mind, if you have been susceptible to this scheme, you had already started formulating defenses to fight against me, even though I just said Biden and Trump. Every time I say the word politics, I remember, I remember what my professor will always say in class. Politics comes from the Greek. Polly means many, ticks means blood-sucking parasites. It's nothing more divisive and destructive for a church seeking revival than to dance around with de- the devil schemes of division in politics. But it's not just politics, it can also be doctrinally. How divisive can it be to be start arguing about Christological issues? Oh, is Jesus God or is he not God? You know, is there a trinity or is there not a trinity? Or you can go on and maybe you will be put in a room with someone who, uh, who perhaps a Baptist or something like that. And he says, my Mima is in heaven. And you fall for the scheme of division that the devil launches at you. And all of a sudden you go into the defensive and you say, no, Mima is not in heaven. Mima is in the grave. And you have already divided your friendship. Or maybe you fall into the scheme of division in the form of ethics or even worse, finances. Nothing more destructive in a family's household than the division through finances. Nothing can kill a church more than financial issues. Another scheme that we would be facing is the scheme of deception. Scheme of deception is one not of doctrinal deception, but rather deception in your position and relationship to Jesus. The scheme that the devil uses many times is to tell you, look, you are okay with Jesus. You can continue your path. And he says it to the licentious Christian who believes that they have the free will to do whatever they want. Or he also says it to the self-pious Christian, the self-righteous Christian. Who says, oh, my acts are good enough for Jesus. Another scheme of, that the devil throws at us is a scheme of disappointment. In this country, the biggest problem that we face is not politics, it's not finances, it's not drugs, it's not war. The biggest problem this country faces is the problem of mental health. This country has a sickness of the mind. Ask any doctor. Depression is rampant in this world. Anxiety sees no bounds. So what better scheme can the devil launch at a church looking for revival than to present them with disappointment? You present disappointment to someone who is in the hole of depression, they will never leave. You present this appointment to someone who is literally running for their lives because of their anxiety. They will never stop. What Paul is telling us right here is that the schemes that the devil is launching at us—it's not some, you know, this is not a devil from the Looney Tunes. This is a evil, sinister enemy that we are facing, and all he is out after is not to kill you. That's not the worst thing that can ever happen to you as a Christian. What the devil is after is to make you incapacitated spiritually. He wants to paralyze you spiritually. He wants to stamp out all the spiritual lives that you have within you so that you can just be frozen in place and not do anything. A spiritually incapacitated Christian. It's like a child of a rich man who decides to live in the slums when their mansion-like room is still vacated and waiting for a return. A spiritually drained Christian is the one who has, been, has closed the showers of blessing that God has for them. Spiritual incapacitation does not mean loss of salvation, but it definitely means... an unhappy life. It means an unfulfilled life. It means that you will fall into depression more often. It means that you will live in a state of anxiety more often. It means that you will fall under the schemes of division of politics, and you will literally leave all these many ticks to suck out your spiritual life. It means that finances will rule everything you do to the point that it will bring division in your household and in your church. So how can we fight this enemy with these schemes? Paul says in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might the answer for a Christian who is being faced with the schemes of the devil is to pick up the power of God. And the power of God is nothing more and nothing less than the whole armor of God. To put on the armor of God is to put on the very power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Exodus 15 verse 3 says that the Lord is our warrior. The Lord is a soldier himself. The Lord is the greatest general that has ever lived and will ever live in this world. And Paul says if you want to win against the schemes of the devil who is trying to stop and kill your revival, put on the very armor of our warrior. Put on the very thing that identifies our God as warrior. Continue reading in verse 13. Therefore, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Take up the whole power of God. Take up the whole might and strength of our Lord, our Warrior. Put up and take up the armor of God that you may be able to what? What is the next word? To withstand, to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Paul tells his young church that it's looking for revival, just like we're looking for revival. He is telling his church, look, you can stand. Victory is certain for you. There is no need to fall prey for these schemes of division, of of deception, of disappointment. There is no need to fall into that. There is no need to live a spiritually incapacitated, immobilized life. You can have a victorious life. And the power is found in God's strength. Put on the armor of God. The armor of God, we will see, are pieces and parts that we find in the Old Testament. Paul says, "Put on the belt of truth." Isaiah eleven fifteen says, "Justice will be like a belt around God's waist. Integrity will be like a belt around His hips." Paul says, "If you want to stand firm against the enemy and against his schemes, put on God's integrity. Put on His justice." He says to also put on the breastplate of righteousness. Isaiah 59, 17 says, he, God puts on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He puts on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. God says, uh, Paul is saying, you want to win against the enemy and his schemes? Don't just put God's integrity Put God's righteousness on you. Put on God's righteousness. Another translation says, he wears his desire for justice like a body armor. You want to stand against the schemes of the devil, Paul says. Put on God's integrity. Put on God's desire to see righteousness and justice reign in this world. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15, and as shoes for the feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Isaiah 52, verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings what? Good news. Who publishes what? Who brings what? Good news of happiness. It's not just good news, but good news of happiness that produces happiness, that produces peace, produces joy. Put on this, and who publishes salvation, who says on Zion, your God reigns. You want to stand against the schemes of the devil of division? You want to stand against the schemes of deception, of disappointment? Put on the very character of Of God. Put on his integrity. Put on his desire for justice. Put on his swiftness. To establish peace on earth. Then he also says in verse 16. But above all. In all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. There is something about the armor that Paul is talking about. The belt, the breastplate, the sandal, the helmet, the sword, all of these are essential for a warrior. It is required and necessary to go into the battlefield. And the only way that you can ever have success against the schemes of the devil is to put on this armor. But there is a downfall to this armor, even though it's God's own armor. You see, that armor is only useful as long as you are in a one-on-one combat. The armor is only useful if you are fighting face to face with an enemy. But what Paul is telling us here is that the devil is not courageous enough to fight you one on one face to face. Even though that the devil is a powerful and sinister and maniacal demon trying to scheme and to stop and to immobilize and kill off your spiritual life. He is a coward. He cannot come face to face with you. He can only launch from a distance. Because our God is a warrior. And our God stands in the front lines along with us. Not like a coward of a general miles away behind in safe lines. The devil cannot come to you face to face and attack you because your God is there with you. Maybe you've seen the movie 300 or maybe a movie Troy with Brad Pitt. Maybe you remember one of my favorite scenes is watching the whole entire uh, uh, regime standing together side by side using those shields and putting it and making a longer shield of this huge barricade. Nothing can penetrate it. The shield for a Roman soldier will not be this little puny, little round or square shield. The word for shield literally means door. These people will run out with door-sized shields. And the command that Paul is telling us to do in the battlefield is... Stand firm. Don't push. Don't retreat. Stand firm. Drive your shield into the ground. Your sandals, which are ready for the, for the war, are cleated sandals. Drive those into the ground and stand firm and let the shield protect you from the devil's scheme. If you forget this shield, your integrity will mean nothing because it will not stop the arrows. Without the shield, your desire for justice and righteousness will mean nothing because it cannot stop a flaming arrow. Your helmet of salvation will mean nothing if you're defenseless to fiery projectiles from a distance. So above all, it on. Pick up the shield of faith. Pick up the shield of faith because with it alone will it protect you and not just you, but your entire front line from the flaming arrows. So we see that the belt of truth is not just truth but it's integrity. It is a lifestyle. It is something you do and you partake and you walk in. The breastplate of righteousness is not just righteousness for righteousness' sake. It's a desire and pursuit to establish righteousness and justice in the world. It is a lifestyle. The sandals, it's the readiness, the swiftness to establish peace on earth. It is a lifestyle. It is not some, some idea, abstract thing. And the faith of shield is not some abstract thing either. Paul says, church... You who are looking to looking towards revival, you who desire revival, collectively, church, pick up your conviction that God can deliver you. Psalm 7 verse 10 says, the exalted God is by sheep. Paul says, pick up the shield of faith and that's conviction that your shield will protect you. That you have conviction that God's goodness is still on your side and he is still out there to help you and deliver you from the schemes of division, schemes of deception, and schemes of disappointment. Pick up your conviction that God is still God. That God still is going to fight your war. See, Paul tells us we need to dress up in order to stand up. We need to stand up. We need to dress up with the very character of God. We need to put on God's integrity. We need to put on his swiftness for peacemaking. We need to put on his desire for justice here on earth. But above all, We need to have conviction that God is still good to us. That he will deliver us from the day of evil. And that sinister, maniacal Satan cannot stand a chance against you and his church. I come before you. to admonish you in your desire for revival, to dress up, to stand up. I bless thee for giving me the eye of faith, to see thee as Father, to know thee as God. For faith casts my anchor upwards where I trust in thee, and thou bounteous goodness has helped me believe Lord, fan the divine spark into a glowing flame and awaken my faith to trust in thee. Church, you want to stand? Do you want to stand the day of evil? Pick up God's armor. Put on God's character. And let God's mighty power win the war for you.